0: Would you turn please in the scriptures to First Thessalonians the fourth chapter? First Thessalonians four and nine. First Thessalonians four nine. He said, As touching brotherly love, you need not that I write to you, for you yourselves are taught of God to love. One another. Everybody said out loud. Taught of God. Taught of God. To, love one to love one another. He went on to say. Indeed you do it. Toward all the brethren. Which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you brethren. That you increase more. And more. He said you're doing it. But do it more. What do what more. Love one another. The. The. Uh, New Living Bible in the ninth verse says, God himself has taught you to love one another. God himself has taught you. Uh, well, he is love. And there is no better teacher on love than love. So well, who taught you how to love? Love himself. I was taught by the best. Right. <laughs> Regarding life together and getting along, the message says, you are God taught in these matters. Verse 10, you're already good at it. Your friends all over the province of Macedonia are the evidence. Keep it up. Get better and better at it. And I know when the Lord led me about teaching on this in the church, that's the sense that I had. You're already doing this in a measure. Well, we hear these reports. I mean, a lot of these things that you hear is people in the church ministering to other people in the church. God used people in the church to uh, help pay off something for the other person. Some of these testimonies, it's both the parties were in the church. Well, that's love, isn't it? And we have uh, just a continuous stream of testimonies of people that came visiting, and you took them out and uh, blessed them and. Stranger to you, but you took them to your house and fed them and made a car payment for them, took them shopping, paid off a credit card. Hmm? That is common at Faith Life Church, isn't it? Hmm? The Lord told us to excel in hospitality. Well, that's love. What is it? It's love. And he said, you are God taught in these matters. Now, what is the new commandment? Put it up on the screen, if you would, guys. John 13 and uh, 34, isn't it? What did it say? A new commandment I give to you, this is Jesus talking, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. He went on to say, By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. How will other people, even unsaved people, know that you really are a Christian? By how we treat each other. Now the specific application of this is loving your fellow Christian. Which is why the devil works overtime uh, trying to influence churches to fight each other and Christians to fight each other because it destroys our witness. Right. It's not by your church attendance that people know that you're His. It's not by how much Scripture you can quote. It's not by uh, your charity, so to speak. It's not by you speaking in tongues. It's not even by your miracles. How will other people know you really are a Christian? By how I love you and how you love me, your brother. See, God intends to provoke the unsaved to jealousy. Have you read the scriptures? He uses these kind of things. What do you mean? People ought to see how blessed we are and how we treat each other and how we take care of each other and think, how can I join the club? How can I get into that? Right? And we just say, hey, easy, accept Jesus. Come on in. We got a place for you. The, you know, organized crime families, the gangs, all of these things, you know, why they are, have the success that they have? It's because they have a form of, they're not really, but a form of some kind of family. And they they try to tell the people, well, you get into this, we take care of our own, and there's loyalty, and you'll have a family. And so many people displaced, didn't have a daddy, didn't have a mama, and are a family, and they're so hungry for that. But these things are deceptive, aren't they? Because, you know, like we've said before, I know it sounds funny, but you know it's true. In the organized crime families, they're just able to tell you one day, you know, I love you like a brother, but i got to whack you. (laughs) Nothing personal, just business. Well, uh, you don't want a family like that. Right? You you want a family (laughs) that's like Jesus. And Jesus is willing to die for you. Instead of make you die for him. Huge, huge difference. Instead of being willing to sacrifice you. He was willing to sacrifice himself. And that is the God kind of love. Now, all Christians know we're supposed to love each other. They know that in their head. But there is gross ignorance in the body. Concerning what this love really is. And then how to do it. So now for weeks we've been on the subject. And we're camping on it and we're getting it. Aren't we? Getting what? How to keep the love commandment. How to do it. Everybody said out loud, I'm learning how. I'm learning how. I, am of God I am taught of God himself. He is teaching me, he is teaching me. how to love my brother. He is, he is teaching me how to keep the command. command. It would help us to keep reminding ourselves, what is love? Love is not a feeling. This is one of the biggest misconceptions. That's what people say, I love you. You know, I'm in love with you. And then later, I'm not in love with you. Why? I don't feel like I used to. Well, they never knew what love was. Love is not a feeling. Love is many things, but let's condense it to this for right now. Love is a person. God is love. He's not just a feeling now, is he? And love is a command. The word command means order. It's an order. If something's in order, it's not a suggestion, it's not. Uh, volitional, you know, you can't just decide if I want to or not. It's not optional is the word I should say. Right. If it's an order, it's not optional. Right. 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 I'm going to say it again. <laughs> if it's an order, it's not optional. Right. 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 Do you have an option whether you love your brothers or not? No. What if you don't like them? Don't Still have to love them. Yes. <laughs> yes. So how can you love somebody you don't like? You can It's an act of your will, right? It's a decision to obey the order. You can love people you can't stand being around. You can love people that have been mean to you. You can love people that have hurt you and it's got nothing to do with your feelings. It's an order. Now, if you're a Christian, you're not your own Lord, you're not your own head. How many have confessed and said, Jesus is my Lord? Hmm. Well, then that means he's the boss, right? He's the head. If he is your Lord, then you don't run your life, he does. If you're still running your life, then he may be your Savior, but he's not really your Lord. Well, your Lord, the head of the church, gave you an order, gave you an order, gave you a command. What did he tell you? I command you, love one another. How? As I have loved you. The Bible said he loved us while we were still his enemies. He loved us and gave himself. We were not giving him warm and fuzzy feelings. (laughs) Mankind rebelling against him, running away from him. And even though that was happening, he loved us and gave himself for us. So can we keep the commandment? Can we do it? Are you willing to commit to do it? Even before you understand how it's an act of faith. Say it out loud, everybody. Say it out loud, I've been commanded to love my brother. And by faith, I'll do it as he helps me. As he shows me how. I'm willing to do it. In Jesus' name, I'll do it. Now, if we don't do it, we're in disobedience. We're in rebellion against the command, but we're not rebelling against him. We're willing to do it, and we're learning how to do it. We've already covered some ground. Uh, How many can remember some of the things we've seen already from the scriptures? How to love one another. What was the first one? Love prefers. What does prefer mean? Choose one thing over another. Love will prefer you and choose you over itself. Secondly, what does love do? Love does no harm. The scripture said to its neighbor, that's whoever you happen to be around. Now, this is, we're not through with this one. I'm going to get to it some more as the Lord would help us. But a big part of this is simply being aware. I know as Phyllis and I have grown up some in the Lord, you become more aware of the effect of your words and actions on others. You know, the Bible talks about words, uh, actually in Psalms and Proverbs compares words to arrows. Have you read it? Compares words to arrows. And it talks about how words can hurt and pierce like an arrow, or words can heal. Words, life and death is in the power of the tongue. But think about this. People get mad, people get hurt, people get upset, and just say stuff, don't they? And then later feel bad about it, and later repent and try to make it right, but don't realize you've already shot somebody. You know, I had a friend a while back give me one of these compound bows, these razor-tip arrows. These things are lethal weapons. And uh, what if I came in today, and I got this compound bow, and I got me a bunch of these razor-tip arrows, and I'm mad. Somebody has rubbed me the wrong way. And I'm so mad, I'm so upset. I come in and I'm just, I'm foaming at the mouth. So I just get me some arrows. And I go, I am so mad. I am mad. I am mad. <sighs> and then I cool off. And I look up. And you got an arrow sticking out of you. <laughs> you got an arrow. And you got an arrow. People are going, ah, oh, I'm hit. I'm hit. And I said, oh, man, I'm sorry. I wasn't aiming at you. I I wasn't aiming at you. I wasn't trying to shoot you. Yeah, but you shot. You still shot. Words are that way. How many know as long as I got my hand on the string? You're not shot. I'm in control. I can let it off. But the moment. The moment I let that thing go. It's out of my control now. I can't get it back. I can go, oh, come come back. Too late. It's going to hit its mark. As long as those words are just in your mind, you got your hand on the string. When you let it out of your mouth, you can apologize, you can try to repent, but it can have already found its mark. And love does no what? It does no harm. Does no harm, no damage to whoever it's around. So if we're going to keep this command, we've got to get a hold of our mouth. Right? And it's no excuse to say, I got mad. I didn't mean it. I got my Yeah, but they're still shot. I got upset. I didn't mean it. Yeah, but they're still shot. How many remember Jesus said, you'll give an account for every idle word that you speak. What does that mean? You didn't mean to say it. You didn't mean to do it. But you know one of the worst feelings is to realize the devil has used you to hurt somebody. So that's a blatant violation of the love command. We got to get a hold of ourselves. And not be carnal, weak. Anybody can get mad and say stuff and do stuff. And then you got people that beat up their spouse. And beat on their kids. Hmm? And they just got too mad. They couldn't help it. And they didn't know what they were doing. You know. 200 pound guy. Gets mad. Beats up his wife. It's half his size. And he's sorry. He just couldn't help it. You take that same guy. And put him around half the defensive line. For a pro football team. And get him real mad. And some way or another he keeps from slapping them. Well you can get him real mad. And he don't jump on them. (laughs) Why? People do what they can get away with. It is no excuse. I got so mad I couldn't help myself. That's a lie. I said, that's a lie. Now, if you've been yielding to temper for years, yeah, you can get so used to yielding, you'll do it before you think about it. But it's because you've done it for so long. But you can change. I said, you can change. And love does no harm, no hurt, no damage to anybody. When you come through, people ought to be better off after seeing you than before, not worse. People ought to be better equipped, more able to handle the day after seeing you than worse off. People ought to be glad to see you coming instead of dread to see you coming. Say out loud, I'll walk in love. I'll not hurt people with my words and my actions. Lord, help me. Love does no harm. What else does love do we talked about? Hmm? Love covers the multitude of sins. Love will not remember your past failures and past mistakes and won't bring them up to you. If you really have repented and it's behind you and you've changed, how many know love himself, God, who is love, has said your sins and iniquities I will remember no more. We read where he said they will not be mentioned to you. And it is devilish when people really have repented and they've put something behind them to keep bringing it up to them. And get upset and get into arguments and start rehashing and bringing stuff up that happened 10 and 15 and 20 years ago. That is completely unchristian. It is disobeying the law of love. If they really have repented, you should not bring it up again. Now some people don't want you to bring it up, but they haven't repented. They're still doing it. Well, no, we got to deal with that. But if it really has been dealt with, God's not going to remind you of your sins and failures and mistakes. So you should not remind others of theirs. Love covers the sins. Love won't remember your sins. And love won't remind you of them. See, love doesn't want you to look bad. Love doesn't want to embarrass you or make you look bad in front of other people. Love will protect you. Love will cover. Love will forgive. Love will forget. What else does love do? Love takes care of. We saw that nourishes, takes care of. What else does love do? Love edifies. Love builds up. Now let's go on today. You got time for some more? Go to John, the 15th chapter. John 15 and 1 John 3. John 15, 1 John 3. Aren't you glad you're saved today? We're growing up in love. See, you know, for months we were on the subject of growing up, weren't we? This is a continuation of that. Because how do you grow up? You grow up in love. Speaking the truth, in love, you grow up in Him. And don't let this just go, you know... Roll off your back like water off a duck's back and go, well, that's good. I know we need to think about that. I know that's important. No, that does no good at all. Uh, we have to put it into practice. Else we're just playing games. How many actually have an interest in keeping the love command? Amen. Do you? So well, I, I'm interested in getting healed. Then you're interested in the love command because faith works by love. Well, I'm interested in miracles and being used of the Holy Spirit. Well, then you're interested in love because he said, follow after love and desire spiritual gifts. Right? Right. Every area you want to talk about is connected to love because it's connected to God, who is love. So if we ignore love, we ignore our answers. We ignore our development and our progress. John 15 this is another point today of how to keep the love command. John 15:13. Well, read verse 12. John 15:12 This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this. That a man lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. What did he just command us? Love one another. Is this important? This is not a secondary thing. This is number one. We must keep this in our eyes and our ears and our mind. If we're serious about being a Christian, we've got to keep this in front of us all the time. Love. It's not this mushy, gushy feeling thing that people talk about. People use the word love so loosely. They love their car. They love pie. They love root beer. Uh, they love this. They love that. And Like we've said before, stop that. Quit using that word, abusing that word like that. Uh, no, you love God. And you love people. You enjoy. I enjoy my motorcycle. I don't love it. Hmm? You ever, people try to fellowship with machines. Yeah, they pat the dash of their car. Oh, this is my baby. It will never love you back. It's a machine. I love this. I lo- no, no. You love God and you love people. And the other stuff is just stuff. Just stuff. And it's all rusting and rotting. Hmm? And you take none of it with you. In uh, John fifteen twelve, This is my commandment, You love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, That a man do what? Lay down his life, For his friends. We're talking about what is the God kind of love. How do you do it. And this is one of the biggies. How do you do it. Love lays down its life. For those it loves. Now when you hear this. You can just feel people almost freeze up. Like. I don't know if I love them that much. I guess only Jesus really loves like... No, he has commanded you and me to love like he has loved. Amen. I just don't know. I mean, how many people actually do that? Now look, keep this in mind and go to uh, 1 John 3. And uh, 16. Now if you want to do some extra reading on this while we're in this series, 1 John is one of the best places you could read. It is the love book. Just five short chapters. If you just read this over, I don't care if you've read it 200 times, just keep reading it and hearing it. I have it on tape. I like to just play the CD and listen to it sometimes when I'm laying in the bed at night. Just I don't know how many times I've heard this, but the spirit of love is in this book. And it'll come into you beyond what you understand. First John 3 and uh, 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loves not his brother abides in death. What is the preeminent evidence that a person really has been born again? Love. How do we know? We pass from death to life. We love. I remember when I got born again. And the effect it had on me. I was just a boy. My dad got up one morning in a Baptist church and went down to the front to the altar. Well, I thought my dad was it. I mean, whatever he did, I was going to do. He taught me how to uh shoot a gun. He taught me how to uh fight. Taught me how to, you know, clutch a car and get rubber in second gear. <laughs> how to change a spar. I mean, he, you know, anybody know what I'm talking about? He was my, whatever daddy did. Well, daddy thought he needed to get up and go down to the front and accept Jesus. Hallelujah. So I got up and followed him. Glory. Glory. He knelt in the altar. I knelt in the altar and got born again that day. Hallelujah. Well, I was in junior high. And I remember the next day in algebra class, of all things, oh, <laughs> sitting there in uh, Edinburgh, Mississippi. Looking around at people I didn't like before. Thinking, well, you know, they're not that bad. (laughs) I just look around the clap. People that had done stuff to me that wasn't nice. And I'm thinking, ah, that's all right. (laughs) And realize you're different. Something has changed in you. I'm just a boy. But something, what had changed in me? There's something in me that hadn't been there before, ready to forgive, ready to believe in somebody, not just thinking about yourself. Remember a fella talking about that. He used to go to church for years, and people would get up and testify, and it'd just make him mad. He'd say, oh, old man, so-and-so, you were standing up there testifying. You know you're the biggest hypocrite in town. I know what you were doing, too. And, oh, look at old lady so-and-so standing up. Oh, dear God, I can't stand to hear her talk. And just, oh, he was so man- Got up and got saved a few weeks later. And said he was looking there and was just so amazed at how old man so-and-so had changed. And how old lady so and so was so different. He thought, well I bless her, I just love her. And how everybody around him had changed. No. He had changed. He had passed from death to life. How'd you know it? He loves the brethren. There's love in him. There's love in him. And if you're full of hate, what did he say? You you're not alive. How can you have passed from death to life? He that hates his brother is abiding in death. He's staying in death. Keep reading. Verse 15. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. You know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Said out loud. He laid down his life for me. He's commanded, me He's commanded me to lay my life down, my life down for, my brothers. for my brothers. Has he? Yes. Are we doing it? Yes. That's a little weak. Well, that's why we're teaching on it. That's why we're teaching on it. Uh, brother Hagen, my father in the faith, said at one meeting that he had that he was teaching on love, and he said, "You know, if you hate your brother, you're a murderer." And he said, and that means mother-in-law too. <laughs> and just went right on teaching. Well, the uh, he was staying with some pastors, and uh, after they got home, the woman of the house, the pastor's wife, came to him and said, "Brother Hagan, you've confused me." And he said, uh, "Well, I doubted you probably confused before I got here, <laughs> and the light of the word had just shown it up." She said, well, you said when you was preaching that uh, if you hate your mother-in-law, that you're a murderer and don't have eternal life abiding in you. He said, well, that's right. And she said, well, I know I'm saved. I'm pastor's wife. I speak in tongues. He said, well, what's your problem? She said, I hate my mother-in-law. <laughs> he said, well, then you're a, you're a murderer then and don't have eternal life abiding in you. She said, huh? What? No, I'm a Christian. I got saved when I was X amount of years old. I, I've been helping my husband in the ministry. We graduated from seminary. And I'm a pastor's wife. He said, well, I don't care who you are. If you hate your brother, you're a murderer. And don't have eternal life abiding in you. He said he knew she, she was about on the ropes, you know. He, he said, no, no, look at me. She said, well, what am I going to do? He said, look at me, look at me. He said, now, look me in the eye and say, I hate my mother-in-law. She looked him in the eye and said, I hate my (laughs) mother-in-law. Without hesitation. And he said, well, he said, okay. I want you to say it again. But this time, I want you to check down in here. Check down inside you. Why you're saying it. Do you hate your mother-in-law? She said, I hate my mother-in-law. He said, all right, and what about down inside? What about down inside you? She said, well, there's something scratching me down there. So <laughs> what do you mean? When you said, I hate my mother-in-law, what happened? He said, she said, well, something down inside me is, is scratching. That's all she knew how to say. What did the Bible say in Romans 5? The love of God has been shed abroad where not in your your head not in your feelings not in your flesh where in your heart now that's not talking about your physical blood pump that's talking about the center the core of your being your spirit your inner man and that's what's so confusing to people because they think well No, I hate them. Why? Because they're going by their feelings. They're going by their emotions. They're going by their reasoning, by their intellect, by their soul. And keeping the command is not based on a feeling. It's an order. How many know a good soldier can obey an order when he or she does not feel like it? Doesn't want to do it. It's not convenient. It's not easy. I mean, they got feelings of doing anything else except it. But can they endure hardness and gird up their loins and obey the order? Can they do it? It's Memorial Day. We're talking about people that have charged up hills in mud and ice and cold and in pain and wounded. And their commander said, take the hill. And they did. They did. Did they feel like doing it? You know they didn't feel like doing it. They felt like going home to their family. Right. But they obeyed the order. Well, if a man or woman can obey a natural order of a natural commander, how much more should we obey our commander-in-chief? Right. The head of the church, the Lord Jesus, right. yeah. when he told us to do something that's just right to do anyway. Right. Hmm? Love. Yes. Love. Can you love people that you feel like you hate? Yes, because it's not based on feelings. Right. Yes, you can. Can you love people that have been mean to you? Yes. Cruel to you? Yes. Hurt you? Yes. yes, you can. Isn't Jesus the ultimate example of it? Yes, sir. They're nailing him to the cross. Mm-hmm. They're killing him. They raised him up on the tree. They're mocking him. They're treating him like the worst murderer. And he's never hurt anybody. He's never committed any sin. He never broke laws. And what did he say? Father forgive, Father, forgive them. He's concerned about their relationship with the Father God. He's concerned about their what's going to happen to them after this. While he's hanging up there bleeding to death. Can you do it? He did it. He's my hero. Yes. Is he yours? Yes. Can you do it? Yes. See, when you start talking about love, people start thinking about, oh, you know, we love you. And love is indicated as being weak. And that's why a lot of men don't even like saying the word. Because they, you yeah, I, I get all choked up. I just can't say I, I love you. You know I do. You know it. <laughs> we all just know it. Don't need to be said. That's a sign of weakness. Got nothing to do with strength. It's got everything to do with insecurity and weakness. You want to know who the strongest of the strong, the strongest man who ever lived was the man that hung on the cross? Hallelujah. Oh, you talk about strength. He could have said one word and got himself off of there just like that. He said, don't you know I could have called on the Father? He would have sent me legions of angels that have swooped down there and got him off of there in a moment. He could have just spoken one word. Boy, it takes strength to stay with that and let them do it to you. And it comes back to this. Love. What does love do? Love lays down its life. And he said this, John 10. He said, my Father loves me because I lay down my life. I lay down my life for the sheep. And he said, and I got, he said, no man takes it from me. I've had this command of my father. I have authority and power to lay my life down and I have authority and power to take it up again. Nobody is making him do it. Jesus was not a victim. He was not helpless in the hands of those who came and apprehended him or scourged him or crucified him. And he proved it when they came to get him in the garden. Don't you remember that? He said, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus. He said, I am. And they all fell back on the ground. Remember that? All fell down. Demonstration. You ain't taking me. I'm letting you do this. Right? Why did he do it? Love. Out of love, he laid it down. Now, we don't need another sacrifice for sin. He's it. So you can't lay your life down physically to pay for somebody else's sin. I can't. That's already been done. But we can give our body a living sacrifice. Right? And there are occasions every day and every week... Where if we love people, it's going to cost us something. And there can be plans that you've had. Things you want to do. And things that you're, you know, uh, prepped to do. You're going to use your resources to do. And something comes up. Uh And somebody else needs your time. Somebody else needs your money. Somebody else needs it. Did you know people need you when they need you? Not when it's convenient for you. And have you ever noticed so many times it's not convenient. It's three in the morning and you're sound asleep. They need the money and you don't have extra. Have you ever found it out? But when the Lord leads you, what's it time to do? Lay down. You had something for yourself. And you realize, hmm, no, (laughs) I'm going to lay that down. Now, here's the difference. Oh, here's the difference. We read this earlier. Paul said, by the Spirit of God, he said, I will most gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Say that out loud. I will will gladly gladly spend spend and be spent. Now, this is the difference. If you do it mournfully and you go, well, I guess I'll be a good Christian. I guess I'll sacrifice. I'll, well, no, no, you had not got it yet. The Bible said Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was in front of him. He did it willingly and he did it gladly. That's a real hero of love. That's a real hero of faith. Not trying to make you feel bad because I'm sacrificing for you. Smile and say, I'm glad to do it. I'm glad to do it. If this will take this off of you, I'm glad to do it. If this will help you out of this bind, I'm glad to do it. No, I'm not looking for any accolades or reward. Why are you doing it? I'm not doing it for that reason anyway. Why? Doing it because I love you. I want to see you relieved. And to see you relieved, if you love somebody, it gives you joy. I mean, we all shouted in here a few minutes ago when they announced that the person's house is paid off. Yeah. Right? right? Well, it wasn't your house. What you shouting for then? <laughs> we love each other. Right? We're connected. When your house is paid off, it's like my house, right? He said, rejoice with one another. Yeah. We talked about it. We, and have you remembered, we're going to make a big deal out of our brothers and sisters' victory? Huh? Right. I want to hear about I'm your pastor now I want to hear about celebration parties yeah. Come on. oh that was weak <laughs> that was just pitiful week. I want to hear I want to hear about you helping your brothers and sisters celebrate yeah. I mean these folks that had their house paid off there ought to be friends over there uh, this afternoon already bringing a bunch of food in shouting up and down running around the house going Woo, glory to God Oh, this is good. Oh, this is good. Why? Because if you love them, you're glad that it happened for them. And in fact, you so care about these things that you are willing to lay down your own life. I know uh, this kind of thing will happen all, you know, through your life, day to day, month to month. We've talked about it before, but the the Lord was... uh, Phyllis and I were on vacation and a man called and said would you stand and believe with me on this we're standing in the church needed this money two weeks ago and would you stand with me and believe with me on it and I, he wasn't asking me for anything except for faith and I said I will I'll do it so when I hung up the phone I said Lord you know should we do something on this and uh He dealt with me, no, I've already dealt with somebody else to take care of it. But in a couple of days, he dealt with me that morning, wire the money to him. Well, it's all I had. And I thought, Lord, I thought you said, you're dealing with somebody else to do this. (laughs) He he spoke to my heart, I don't mean I'm hearing a voice, but inside me, he said, I am, but they're not listening to me. Did you know that's why some of the same people keep getting used over and over again, because other people don't listen? You know, you don't have to obey God. And that's why some of the same people keep getting reused. And he said, uh, obey me and I'll bless you. I'll take care of you. So we did it. And, you know, the account is empty. But glory to God. You had the sense that you were one of God's go-to guys. Anybody know what I mean by that? That he could tap you on the show because he knew if something was up. See, these guys were up against the wall. They should have been done two weeks ago. It, something had to happen now. Did you know God will take care of you even if people he deals with don't listen? Yes. He'll still take care of you yes. if he has to use somebody else. Yes. If he has to get a little dog to bring it in a paper sack. Yes. huh? <laughs> He'll do it. Yes. Things like this have happened in the Bible before. <laughs> but see, it cost us something. This was our financial life at the time. We had stuff going on. Now, you don't do these kind of things because people tell you a sad story or because they ask you or pull on you. I'm talking about when the Lord deals with you Amen. to do something. Amen. One of the first times I learned about this, and I think I can close after this, was when I was first year of Bible school. I've told you the story, but it's hard for me to forget. I was in first year of Bible school. Needed everything. Had two sport coats, two pair of pants, a little pickup we called Trigger. We're believing for every tank of gas, every pair of socks, every meal. I, and I'm, spo- you know, we're supposed to be training to preach and, and to stand up in front of people. I just didn't have any clothes to wear. Had one pair of shoes and they really looked bad. So Phyllis and I believe God for a pair of dress shoes. Here's somebody sent in the mail. $50. Man, we shouted. Now you could buy a pair of shoes for $50. And a pair, especially a few years ago, you know. As man, I'm excited. I went to prayer school that day. After prayer school, I'm going to the store. Get me a pair of shoes. Woo. Man, I was excited because God heard my prayer. I got shoe money right here. Well, I'm laying there praying. And uh, there was a young man speaking in the afternoons in those services. And the Lord brought him up to me. And he said to me, I don't mean to heard an audible voice now, but inside me, he said, he's believing me for a pair of brown shoes, specific brown. I thought, well, praise God, I'll hook up with him in faith. And What are you laughing about? Lord, I know you'll do it for him because you did it for me. I, I know it. And so I'll just pray for him right now. I said, Lord, I just, I've joined my faith with him for his brown shoes. Thank you for giving him his brown shoes. And I'm laying there praying some more. And it came up to me again. He's believing me for a pair of brown shoes. I thought, well, praise God. (laughs) Lord, I know you'll take care of him because you took care of me. I got my shoe money. I know you'll get him here. Came up the third time. He's believing me for a pair of brown shoes. Well, I know something's up. You know, the Lord said it three times. I thought, "Uh uh-huh. He said, why don't you give him your shoe money? Sow that to him, and I'll take care of you. Well, I didn't know, you know, I don't know much now, but didn't know as much then as I do now. I rebuked the devil. I thought, Satan, get behind me. The devil's trying to confuse me. And steal my shoe money. (laughs) And I kept laying there. Came to me again. So him your shoe money. And I'll take care of you. And I finally realized this ain't the devil. I mean this is the same Holy Ghost that led me to school. Talks to me every day. But now here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you don't get glad about it. You don't get in faith. And it is unacceptable. Somebody say glad. Glad. If you do it grudgingly and unwillingly. It is unacceptable. It is not love. And it is not faith. Just doing it is not good enough. I had to believe two things. I had to be glad that he's getting his shoes. And I got to have faith that God's going to take care of me. I'm not going to go shoeless the rest of the year. Takes faith. to. That's why people don't do these things. Why? Because they're just not convinced God can get it back to me by the time I'm going to need it. Well, I went to the service. All through the service, he's preaching. I didn't hear half what he said. I'm thinking, are you really going to give him your shoe money? (laughs) But I had to get glad about it, and I did. I got over my little thing there, and I, I got glad. And I came up to him after the service. I said, brother, I said, I don't want to bother you. I said, but are you believing God for a pair of brown shoes? He looked at me and said, say what? I thought, yeah, you've just missed it. You're off the wall. I'm committed now. I said, well, are you believing God for a pair of brown shoes? He said, stand right here. Stand right here. I thought, "Uh uh-oh, he thinks I'm weird. He's going to get me in trouble with the dean. (laughs) He went and got his wife and he brought her over. He said, tell her what you just told me. I said well I just said are you believing God for a pair of brown shoes they both started jumping up and down shouting they said it wasn't two hours ago we stood right there in the speaker's room and took hands and claimed a pair of brown shoes well throughout the service too I'd been looking at his clothes and they were way better than mine I thought well he don't look like he needs but that's got absolutely nothing to do with it I said, that's got nothing to do with it. Now, this is an important point. Because people miss God on this area all the time. I know when we sold this airplane a couple of years, what was it, two years ago now? This citation to Brother Happy and Jeanie Carwell and their ministry. Well, during part of that, Phyllis and I prayed about that for months. Wanted to make sure. And part of the time, you know, he had even said he didn't travel as much as we did, and and so you'd look. To, I knew several of the people that traveled a lot more than they did, and from a natural standpoint, you might think, well, they need that more than they do. And the Lord spoke to us, didn't He? Yes. Very definitely. What did He say? It wasn't because they needed it. Said it had nothing to do with them needing it. That they had sown aircraft in the past. They had a seed in the ground and because of their faithfulness. See, God is not moved by needs. He doesn't do things for people based on what they need. If he was moved by needs, miracles would be popping all over the planet because it's full of needs. God is moved by faith. Faith and faithfulness. And if you're led by what you think people need and that's all you're led by, you're going to miss God. You'll sow to people you shouldn't sow to. And not sow to people you should. But uh he and his wife. Shouting up and down. I thought well glory to God. I said well. Here's some money. Fifty dollars. You know. And I put it towards your brown shoes. And, and they prayed over me. And blessed me. And I remember. Walking out the door. It was cold winter day. Walking to Trigger. My little green Chevy pickup. <laughs> to go back down. To shoot them up alley. At our apartment. In the rough part of town. And uh. It was cold. The wind was blowing in my face. I'm shoeless. I'm moneyless. And I felt like I was floating about that high off the ground. Why? I had heard from God. Brown shoes, Brother Brown. I had heard from God. And I had been used of God to meet needs. And this is ministry. I'm sewing into a preacher here. He'll preach in these shoes. I got a part of every sermon he preaches in them. Right? And God had told me, he said, I'll take care of you. And you know he has. I don't mean once or twice. I've had people come up to me and hand me their credit card and say, go buy you a nice pair of shoes. Now, don't buy something cheap. I'm talking about those expensive, those crocodile shoes and those. I, I got a closet full of shoes. And half of them has been given to me. Just get, And people might look and go, look at them shoes that preacher's got on. Wonder how much they cost. A lot. (laughs) But I probably paid less for them than you did for yours. (laughs) But also, are you willing to sow your $50? See, you don't know. I heard Brother Jesse DePlanet say this one time don't judge of my harvest, and you don't know my seed. See, there's a lot of things you don't know about people and their life. But we know this. Love will gladly. Somebody say gladly. Gladly. Spend and be spent. Even if you love me less, it'll still lay down. It's life, what was precious to it, what you had planned for yourself, what you have done for yourself. And how many know God loves you, and if he deals with you to lay down something like that, he's already got you set up down the road for something that's going to far exceed the seed that you just sowed. Can you say amen? amen? Stand up on your feet, everybody. Glory to God.